Well, welcome to Safe Haven. Um, my name is Troy Nicholson, and, and I'm one of the pastors here at Safe Haven. Um, be in prayer for Ty, for Tyler. Tyler's preaching right now uh, at at, at Northgate, um, and, and so um, he's leading that service. So we're in the the book of Habakkuk, and we've made it into the fourth week in the book of Habakkuk. <clears throat> you didn't know that. You could spend six weeks in a book that only has three chapters, right? Now, everybody who's been here at Safe Haven for a long time, you're like, I sat through the book of Romans for two years, Troy. I fully expect six weeks, yeah. So uh, we've been in the book of Habakkuk. If you haven't been with us in Habakkuk, let me give you just a recap real fast as to what's going on in this book, okay? It's a book in the Old Testament. If you're trying to flip there in your Bible, kind of go from Matthew. That'll be a little bit easier and go backwards, about five books. Um, so, So Habakkuk has hit chaos, the world around him is crumbling. Have you ever hit chaos? The world around you crumbling. Okay, if you say yes, then Habakkuk fits with you. The world around Habakkuk is crumbling. The nation of Israel has been taken over by the Chaldeans. The Persians are coming in to wipe everybody out. And Habakkuk's going, but we're your chosen people. How on earth could anything bad happen to us? What are you going to do about this chaos in my life? That's the question. So Habakkuk's saying, how long are you going to do this? How long are you going to wait and be silent? Have you ever had something chaotic going on and you're asking the Lord, Lord, when will you finally do something about this? Anybody? Okay. This is the book of Habakkuk. It speaks to all of us. So God comes back and he answers him. He says, oh, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something. And it's going to blow your mind, but not in a good way. I'm going to make more evil happen. That's what I'm going to do. And Habakkuk, obviously, when he hears this, goes, Whoa, I don't understand that, God. That was chapter 2b. So last week we finally made it to that point. Habakkuk responds in confusion. And if you'll remember, he kind of backed up and he said, Okay, God, you said you're going to do something crazy, so I'll just remember what I know to be true about you. I know that you're eternal, I know you're just, I know you're good, I'll focus on those things. But, but why would you use the Chaldeans? Why would you use an evil people to conquer God's good people? God, that doesn't make any sense. So that's where we ended last week. And if you'll remember, Habakkuk responds in that way, and he knows that God's going to rebuke him. As a matter of fact, he goes and climbs up on a watchtower, and he says... Even the words that just came out of my mouth that I just vomited, God, I know you're about to say something, so I'm just going to get ready for it. So that's where we kind of ended last week. And then this week, the Lord answers again. So let's look at this, and I think, I think it will be incredibly timely. So how is Habakkuk to handle God's answer? Here we go. We've made it to chapter 2, verse 2. Now, I don't think God's miffed at him. If, if, if we still use the word miffed, I don't think God's miffed at him, um, but he's, he kind of says, listen, boy, I'm going to tell you this one more time. It's kind of how it feels, all right? It's like my mom. I always ask a question, but why this? Why this? Why this? Listen, boy, I'm going to tell you one more time. I don't think he's miffed, but he definitely tells him in a way that feels for certain, okay? Chapter 2, verse 2. So after all of that, the Lord answered me a second time. Write it down. (laughs) Write down the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. 
Uh, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It will come true. I'm going to do something about this chaos, Habakkuk. And if it seems slow, wait for it. It'll surely come, and it will not delay. So he responds first by saying, listen, write down my response. And as we all know, there's something different about a written down response, isn't there? There's no grounds for he said, she said. You ever been in a conversation and all of a sudden it gets twisted? No, I didn't really say that. Or, oh, he said that for sure. You ever been in that? Some of you and your husbands and spouses had that conversation this morning. You said this. No, I didn't say that, right? He says, listen, write what I'm about to say down. Interesting about this verse right here. Fascinating. It can be taken two words in the original language. What he's saying is this, write it in such a way on tablets that somebody who's running can see it when they run by. Write it that big. So it could be written that way. Or it could be written this way. Write it in such a way that if Sam came and read it real fast, he could run and go tell somebody else. That's what he's getting at this. Write it in a way that's crystal clear. I don't want there to be any mistakes. So he says, here's my answer. Write it down in a clear way. So that when it comes to pass, you'll believe me and everybody else will believe that you're a prophet, that this came from me. And then number two, as we ended last week, you got to have patience with my timetable. We're not patient with God's timetable, are we? We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. Don't matter if it's God or anybody else, we want things the way we want it, don't we? He says, listen, you're going to have to be okay with my timetable. Now, we're okay with delay as long as we know why delay is happening, aren't we? But when we don't know why delay is happening, we get miffed. It may or may not happen in our home when we're about to leave for somewhere. We're heading out to Chuck E. Cheese because that's, that's going to be the restaurant for the day, by the way, Chuck E. Cheese. We're heading out to Chuck E. Cheese. We're ready to go. And and may or may not, the women in our house may say, well, you just head on to the car, Troy, because we can tell you're getting a little miffed. And and so we're fine with delay, so we head out to the car and we sit there. And then you get in the car and then you begin to think, I'm not going to honk, I'm not going to honk, I'm not going to honk, honk, right? And it's not the delay, it's why are we delaying? For the love of all that is holy, it's Chuck E. Cheese, right? Like there's diseases there anyway. There's no amount of makeup or curling that's going to help that. Why are we delayed? That's what we get miffed at. And he says, listen, Habakkuk, there's going to be a delay, and you better be okay with my timetable. I'll do something, but you got to be okay with my time frame. If you haven't got anything else out of the book of Habakkuk, be okay with God's timetable. It's rarely early. But it's always on time. So this is what he says. There's going to be this delay. It's my right timing. And then he begins to get into the answer a little bit more. So a contrast between the righteous and unrighteous during this time. Verse 4. He says, Habakkuk, I know who they are. And behold, the evildoer in that time who's creating chaos, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. It doesn't matter if he's talking about the Israelites, the Chaldeans, the evildoers, or heck, us. It doesn't matter. He says, here's why it's happening. Because his soul's puffed up, but the righteous shall live by faith. And in this moment, he, he lays out two different types of people. And I would argue, in this room, there are two types of people. 
just like in that day, Habakkuk's writing to two types of people. And this is what he says. Number one, there's certain people who are puffed up. They're downward focused. It's all about earth. And that's where their souls are consumed with. And they function in pride. And in functioning in pride, they will die. It's what God says. Habakkuk, I know what's going on. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the prideful people die in their own pride. That's his point. Catch that. Because if you don't catch that, you'll miss the rest of the passage. Habakkuk comes to God and goes, God, I want you to do something kind of like this. God, what I want you to do is I want you to throw down a lightning bolt and zap that sucker. Can we get any honest people? Have you ever prayed that God would just zap somebody with like a lightning bolt? We got a couple of honest people. The rest are giggling and lying, all right? If you said you hadn't gone there in your heart, you're a liar, right? He, he wanted that just like us. And God says, listen, I'll handle it. But the way I'm going to handle it is letting their own pride swallow them whole. Got to catch that if you want to understand this whole passage. Literally, they're swollen and big-headed. Not like me. This is a big melon. I know. I get it. All the other big melon folks in here, amen to us. He's talking about the heart. The heart's swollen. It's big-headed. And it'll never be happy because it functions in pride. I know who they are. Pride's a lot like uh, planting seeds that grow and then die, and then you plant another seed. Pride never satisfied, does it? Whatever it is that gives us that glory for a moment, it drips out of the bottom of the cup the next day, doesn't it? Y'all know that we attempted, and I do emphasize attempted, to grow a COVID garden. It, It didn't work. Uh, it turns out gardening is a pretty hard thing. I thought it would be fairly easy. So went to Lowe's, bought a box of seeds. Because as we all know, you certainly need a box. Little did I know that when you open up one of those packets, there is enough seeds to plant the entire land of Northport. Right? And, and so I poured them out and, and, and we began to plant a seed. And it was seed after seed after seed after seed. Thank the Lord that Lowe's takes seeds back. But I planted these seeds, and that's what he's saying. You can plant the seed of pride, whatever gives you that applause, whatever puffs you up. If you find your joy in that, it'll grow, it'll sprout, and it'll die, and you'll have to plant another seed. He says that's what the evildoer does. He's driven by momentary applause and death, and it'll ultimately kill him. So he says... There's this type person, and that will build a case against them on the judgment day. And we'll get to that in just a second. He says, but also there's righteous. And the righteous are not downward focused, they're upward focused, right? Their souls function in faith, not pride, not puffed up, but it functions in faith. Did you see that? You've heard that passage. Paul picks up on that passage and screams it about four times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith, right? So what is righteousness in Habakkuk's day? In Habakkuk's day, a righteous person obeyed God's law and loved his neighbor. You get to the New Testament, and they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what is righteousness? What do we need to know? And Jesus says, two things. You shall say it for me. Come on, church. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself And all of the law hinges on those two things. Nothing has changed. That's what righteousness is. And so 
When we function in that way, intellectual uh, and ethical worship through loving the Lord and loving our neighbor and all of these things, it builds a case not against us on Judgment Day, but for us on Judgment Day. So he lays out these two different things. In other words, faith says this. Faith says, God, I'm confident in your promises even when my garden doesn't grow. That's faith. He says, that's the righteous person. Habakkuk, I see and I know there are people who don't function like that. They live for the, for the moment, the applause. And I know there's also some people that I'm drawing to myself, even through this evil, that will worship me in the midst of what I'm doing. Did y'all catch that? Where are you? When quite literally our world is crumbling around us. Are you functioning from faith or functioning from pride? We'll get to that in just a second. But Paul does pick up on this. And life comes truly by faith. Uh, I, I say this not to be snarky. But again, because there's a lot of weird definitions about faith out there. Um, as a matter of fact, there, there's, a, there's a place uh, nearby who... This was the definition of faith that was proclaimed in a sermon. So it's public knowledge... Um, and, and it was this, faith is when God takes your dreams and makes them a reality. That's garbage. And everybody applauded, yes, yes, faith is when God takes your dreams and makes them a reality. Habakkuk says, no. <laughs> faith is when all of your dreams crumble into a thousand pieces and you still trust God's sovereignty. That's faith. So he says, I look out and I see that. And I know there's different people who have this different notion. And I'm doing something in the world around. So faith, if we're going to be people who live by faith, we have faith in a person, not an outcome. If we're going to be people of faith, we have faith that God is good even when life doesn't feel good. If we're going to be people of faith, we have faith and perfect trust Regardless of whether our current circumstance feels like a reward or tribulation. Have faith. And that's where life is truly found. So it doesn't matter if it's the Chaldeans. It doesn't matter if it's nuclear bombs. It doesn't matter if it's plagues. None of these ultimately have impact on the believer's final security. And that's what faith is found in. So God continues to explain that he fully knows evil is going on. Let's look at this. Moreover, he says, right now you're like, God, I've had enough. I don't want any more lessons from Habakkuk. Well, cheer up. It gets darker, right? Moreover, wine or wealth. Some Bibles say wine. Some Bibles say wealth. The word's really close, and the commentators aren't exactly sure which word it was. That's not the point. Moreover, wine, wealth is a traitor. It's an arrogant man who never is at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all these people or all these nations. Wine, right? Wine betrays us with liquid confidence. Now listen, I'm not knocking Franzia and I'm not knocking Coppola. That's not the point. But you drink too much and all of a sudden you get a liquid, liquid steel chest, don't you? It betrays you in that way. And he says... Just like wine swallows up and takes away our right minds, 
so pride does the same to the evildoer. Swallows them up. He gives another way of saying this, that pride in the same way is internally arrogant. And that internal arrogance swallows up right actions. We don't act rightly when we're prideful. Because life's all about us. And he says, I know these things are going on. And both will swallow up the soul as certain as death is going to happen. So how about some stats on death? Told you it's getting darker. Let's just keep on getting darker. Death occurs at the rate of 178,000 a day, 7,425 an hour, 120 a minute. And every two seconds, someone dies. Two. Four. Six, eight, ten. And you're like, stop, Troy, because you, you were wondering if you were going to be in the next two seconds, weren't you? <laughs> Am I going to be in the next two seconds? He says, it's as certain as that right there. I know what's going on, and evil occurs because of these puffed-up people. I know this. And so he says, a life driven to conquer, whether it be conquer your home, your job, Whatever will ultimately prove to be ruin. Sobering thought. In other words, habits of self-indulgence will stand against us in the day of judgment. Lessons from the book of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk, you really want to know what I'm doing? You think it's about the nation of Israel. But Habakkuk, it might be about you brings in a whole different perspective in once he starts getting to this point so God now in a twist joins in with Habakkuk in taunting the Babylonians and Israelites whoever it is that's living recklessly let's look at these things and and so he says verse 6 shall not all these take up their taunts against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say and he's going to give a series of five taunts Five dooms. Each has a woe. This is how it's laid out. There's five things. They all have the word woe. The word woe means doom. So literally, Habakkuk says, God, I want to an answer. And God goes, all right, by gosh, I'll give you an answer. Doom to those who, and he begins to insert the blank. So he says, you think evil's winning, but there will be a reversal, Habakkuk. And evil will surely lose all evil. And so in these taunt, five of them, God lays out basically, here's what they've done and here's what I'm going to do. Habakkuk, are you ready for it? Because the punishment will fit the crime. So he gives taunt number one. Doomed to those who are greedy for wealth. Woe. Woe to him who heaps up what's not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise against you? And those awake who will make you tremble, then you'll be spoiled for them. Because you've plundered many nations, all the remnants of the peoples shall plunder you. You'll become their bounty. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell up in them. So in other words... There are some, Habakkuk, that I know who hoard up goods and find their pleasure in how many goods they can hoard up. I know that to be true, Habakkuk. And so he says, listen, you, not only that, but you heard up 
pledges or equity. You, hurt, you, you hoard it up. You find your joy in the house that you live in. You find your joy in the car that you drive. You find your joy in the status that you have at work. You find your joy in this. He says this, and yes, Habakkuk, the Persians are going to find their joy in conquering the Babylonians. At this point, we don't like the answer anymore, do we? You're like, hey, Troy, let's, uh, hey, let's skip on out of Habakkuk. If we could go back to Colossians. Man, that was a good book. Let's, let's go back to that, right? We want to skip this because it gets really real really quick. He says, doom to those whose greed is hoarding via wealth. And he gives taunt number two. He says, doom to those who are greedy for self-supporting security. If I can just be self-supporting. My community can be whatever. Verse 9, woe. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Why? To set his nest on high? To be safe from the reach of harm? You've devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You've forfeited your life. Habakkuk, I know what's going on. There are people who are giving away life because they want to set a nest up that seems safe. And in doing so, they give their life away to painting walls that keep have to be repainted. I didn't even say that grammatically correct, but you get it. Life is given away to painting fading walls. I know what's going on, Habakkuk. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork will respond. Habakkuk, you want to know what I'm doing? Here's what I'm doing. I'm letting people have their say. And then on the day of judgment when they go, Lord, I didn't have time for you. I didn't have time to do the things you wanted me to do because, God, I was, <laughs> I was painting this wall. Did you catch what he said? The wall at that point will say, whoa. They had plenty of time, but they chose painting me over you. Woe. Doom to that person. At this point, you think Habakkuk's probably going, why did I ask this question? Got real, real, real quick, didn't it? Is your joy found in the safety nest that you've built? Or is your joy found in the supremacy of Christ? And not only this, he says these people have created shame, not just for themselves, but their entire house. Their house has learned from them. They've taught this to their children. It's the old saying. What one generation does in moderation, the next generation does in excess. That's just true. He says, Habakkuk, this is going on. And the wood beams that they gave their life, i got to have this wooden beam, will speak against them. Doom, taunt number three. Doomed those who are greedy for public approval and community security at all costs. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. They've done all of these things to build a city to hopefully find hope in their city. Oh, we got to be careful about this. 
I love Northport and I love Tuscaloosa and I'll do anything we can do to support it but by gosh we better not be giving our lives away for it doom let's take it a next step man I love our country I am for America like nobody's business if it weren't for Tyler LaFoy, I would do a flag service. Tyler Engel, let us have one, all right? <laughs> On 4th of July, we'd do up fireworks. I love our country. But we better be careful of whether we love our country or whether we worship our country. He says, woe, woe to those who hoard up cities for security. Our hope can't rest in our president, our hope can't rest in our neighborhood. Our hope can't rest in the school system. Our hope can't rest in the politics. And if all of your working is to secure safety for your kids in this certain section, it might be that you worship that section. He says, be careful, doom, woe to this. And he says, why? Because one day the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. As the water covers the sea. We've had enough dooms, right? Well, Habakkuk ain't done yet. <laughs> Taunt four. Doomed to those who are greedy for happy hour. Now, I don't think he's talking about Applebee's where you get all the meals for $10. I don't think that's what he's getting at. And there's so much I could say about this section. But I'm going to try to keep it PG. Even though y'all know me. And I want to go rated R real fast. We'll try to keep it PG. Verse 15, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You'll have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourselves and show your uncircumcision. Do I need to explain that? Got real awkward real fast, didn't it? We're not, okay. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you. And utter shame will come to your, upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you as the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, the cities, and all who dwell in them. In other words, like a cup of wine puts people in a volatile position, sometimes to the point of exposing themselves. In the same way, I know what's going on, Habakkuk. By their strong, angry hand, people are doing things they wouldn't normally do because they fear your strong, prideful, arrogant hand. I, I know what's going on, Habakkuk. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to let that fester and stand up against them so that when I come with my strong right hand, my cup of wrath, they'll know the pain that they've inflicted on other people. Oh, Habakkuk, I know what's going on. And I got this. Just as alcohol moves the body into shameful actions sometimes and again. Y'all know our church. We're not an anti. That's not the point. Y'all know what he's getting here. He says people who coerce and manipulate are doing the exact same thing. In Habakkuk, they'll get their justice. They'll get it. The Lord's got a cup. And it'll expose all of our thoughts. It'll expose all of our actions. And there'll be retribution. That's real, church. I mean, y'all know we're grace junkies at Safe Haven. Like grace junkies. But we can't skip the truth of Habakkuk 
just because we're grace junkies. This is just as real. It's not a, sin's not a joke to the Lord. Taunt number five. Troy, is there, can we end all the taunts? This is the last one. And probably the harshest. This is the one that whipped my all week long. Verse 18. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image. It's a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in its own creation when he makes a speechless idol. So woe. There's the fifth one. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! To a silent stone, Arise! Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver, but there's no breath in it at all. So doomed those who give their lives away to things that are made by man. Oh, Troy. <laughs> I don't have a wooden idol in my house. Come on. We all have idols. And the idolatry of 569 B.C. was indeed wooden carved things that had gold wrapped around them that couldn't breathe, couldn't speak. But the idolatry of 2021 may not be that, but the idolatry of 2021 more scandalously probably is me. The idolatry of self. What I want, when I want it, how I want it. That's how Habakkuk came. And this is why the Lord ends here. Do you see it? Habakkuk comes and goes, those people! And Habakkuk goes, I know those people! But Habakkuk, I also know you. What about idolatry, Habakkuk? Now, Brother Habakkuk, we'll call him Brother Habakkuk. That almost sounds like he's Amish. <laughs> Brother Habakkuk. We just made a Jewish man Amish, all right? <laughs> Johnny, I am so... Well, we, okay, after, all right. Brother Habakkuk. Brother Habakkuk gives us an incredible social media post here, if you didn't catch it. Um, who promises us everything that we want while giving us nothing that we need and lying to us continually without saying one single word. Our idols. Whatever we idolize keeps promising you, I'll fulfill you, I'll fulfill you, I'll fulfill you, even though it can't speak. Right? The mastercraft. Turn it on me. It's, every time somebody drives by with a mastercraft, it is screaming at me. Troy, you, you will find happiness in that. You would have joy in that. Your family would have joy in that. Y'all would have so much fun in that boat. Blah, 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 blah. It just screams at me, blah, 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 to the point where I just wrap my brain around it. I don't think about anything else. Worship ceases for the Lord, and it turns to that mastercraft. It's idolatry. That's mine. But what about you? Is it security? Is it, is it family? Family very much can be an idol. He says, be careful about these things. Habakkuk, I know that's going on. And I'm going to say this without apology. Maybe I'll get fired over it. That's fine. But I say it with a genuine heart of love. 
It's so easy to justify all of these dooms away and go, thank God I don't live in Habakkuk's day. But if you live your life to work and to play and to leverage everything you have, rob the Lord of tithes, offerings, rob the Lord of time, energy, rob the Lord of gathering for worship, rob the Lord from studying the word. If you live your life in such a way to rob the Lord from all over these things and say, well, this is what I drive, this is what I weigh, this is where I go, this is where I live, this is the neighborhood I'm in, blah, 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 then he's talking to you. And he's talking to me. Well, Habakkuk, that's pretty savage. I could have stayed at home this morning and watched the Hallmark Channel (laughs) and been just as sad. I could could have read some of those breakup letters back from high school, (laughs) right? (sighs) Like Julie Beth, I could have read some obituaries this morning. I'm sure she read some obituaries. I could have read some people dying and been happier. But don't miss how he ends. So what do we do at the end of all this chaos? God says, well, there's one thing that matters at the end of all that. Verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple, so shut up and be silent before him. Oh, my Gosh, that line doesn't make any sense with everything else we've studied through Habakkuk, does it? God, I got a question for you. A lot of things don't make sense. Chaos is going on. Give me an answer. God goes, okay, I'll give you an answer. I'm going to do some crazy stuff. Evil's going to win, and it's going to blow your mind. Habakkuk responds, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you use the Chaldeans? God says, all right, here's why I'll use them. Because doomed to this, 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 and doomed to you, Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, by the way, at the end of that, I'm the Lord, so shut up and realize that I'm holy. Watch your mouth, boy. That's the Hebrew. Do you come before the Lord with whining or do you come before the Lord in worship? Cease your whining for long enough to consider whether your chaos has caused you to stop worshiping. That's the question. That's good, man. Well, I've listened to you, Habakkuk, and I've answered you. So, according to that verse, number one, realize, Habakkuk, I'm not shocked at anything going on in your life. I'm sitting in my holy temple. I'm not twiddling my thumbs. And then be quiet. Not in response, I'm not angry at you, Habakkuk. But be in response of all that drives you to silence. Contemplation about who God is. So what on earth do we say after that? Well, a couple of things before we wrap it up. Number one, hey, let's be careful (laughs) what we ask of the Lord. We might just get a response that we weren't expecting, right? Number two, when we do come before the Lord, trust that he'll give us exactly what we need to hear, even if we don't like what he says. Number three, 
The Lord has a funny way of turning our complaints about other people into indictments about ourselves. And then number four, don't be shocked if the Lord's answer to all your questions about chaos in life is this. Are you going to worship me or not? But God, I was asking you about the clown game at Chuck E. Cheese. Are you going to worship me or not? But God, that don't have anything to do with what I was talking to you about. God, are you deaf? Are you going to worship me or not? Which is the sum of all life. Had a guy this week in Mr. Bill's. Probably shouldn't have said that. Had a guy this week in a restaurant that I ate at. <laughs> Rewind. Um, he said, what is the point of life anyway? And he went on to say some things. The point of life is to worship. Will we worship? That's the point. So what do we do after a passage like this? I think it calls us to make a beeline to the Father with all of our keys in our hand. I don't have keys. Even if I had one, I've got one key. But our janitor used to have the big ring of keys, right, at school. A passage like this makes us run to the Father with our keys in hand and say, Father, this is the key to my house. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my politics. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my children. Am I worshiping them or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my 401k. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my liquor cabinet. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my spending. Father, this is the key to my, wait for it, pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? Father, this is the key to my technology. This is the key to my workplace. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? That's what this passage calls us to do. To pull out the key and go, has this gripped my heart or has Jesus gripped my heart? My marriage, my singleness, my divorce, my whatever. Am I worshiping it or am I worshiping you? And I could leave this passage right there, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to leave it there. Frankly, because it's like we shook up the bottle of Coke and just waiting for that sucker to bust. But the gospel is the release valve. And Habakkuk doesn't leave it there. I'm going to steal from next week. Chapter 3, verse 3. Habakkuk says this at the end of that. I love this. All this goes on. And Habakkuk hears all of these things. I don't know why I'm standing like this. So stand more upright. I got into Andrew's power stance just then like we're about to play a rock song. All these things are going on. Habakkuk hears it. He feels it just like we felt it. And Habakkuk backs up chapter 3, verse 3 and says, God, whoa, in your wrath, would you please remember mercy? He gets it. And that's our response too. It has to be. It has to be our response. Because we lay the keys out. God, in your wrath, would you please remember mercy? That's a far cry from where he began, isn't it? Comes up all pompous, chested, 
Pompous chest is not a word. That doesn't make any sense. Prideful chested. Comes up. Puffed up. Who are you, God? And he ends with, in your wrath, would you be merciful to me? That's got to be the posture of all of our heart. Just give me Jesus. This passage written 2,500 years ago compels us to go lay down at the foot of the cross where all wrath met mercy. At the cross, all of our dooms fell on the sun. At the cross is where nobody will go whining, will we? You're going to walk up to the cross and start whining before the Lord about things in your life? Come on. Lord, I'm here at the cross, and I just really want to tell you, the stock market's got some issues. Shut up. I mean, that's what the Lord said. At the cross, we bow, and we go, all of my dooms fell on you. Thank you, and everything else gets put in its right place. It's at the cross. It's where I dare say our dooms make us rejoice. You ever thought about that? Our dooms make us rejoice at the cross. Because we look at the cross and we go, all of those things that doom me, you embrace? Wow. As the band comes back up. Unbeliever. There is no hope for your dooms. Apart from Christ. There are no hopes. So if you're an unbeliever, please hear me. And by unbeliever, I'm not talking about somebody who's just an outright, I don't believe, that, that may be true. What I'm talking about unbeliever is the one who goes, I've got all these dooms, and I'll go fix them. I'll go fix them. I won't worship these things so much. I'll blah, blah, blah. I'll go sell my Mastercraft. If you're going to sell it, let me know, please, especially if it's a great price. Um, I'll go do these things. I'll go fix it. You're an unbeliever. You're trusting in your righteousness and your ability to make God smile at you. I'm talking to you. To the unbeliever. The only way our dooms are ever satisfied is by looking at the cross and going, you deserved nothing but life and you took death in my place. The great transaction. Believe on him today. <laughs> Believe that he can cover all of those dooms. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the psst, release valve. And believer who's forgotten that Christ really is in all, for all, that that's our hope. Believe on Him afresh and anew today and see the joy of who He really is. Stop your whining and start worshiping. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, what a passage. Eighteen verses of looking in the mirror <laughs> through an old Jewish guy 
that we oddly named brother today. Wow. Father, I pray in this moment. take our keys and we'll each individually in this moment ask the Lord if we're worshiping them or if we're worshiping you Father speak beyond the voice of a mortal man let's respond